This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 701 with Nikki Rausch. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 701. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. CEO of Sales Maven, Nikki Rausch has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of sales and selling. With over 25 years of selling experience, entrepreneurs and small business owners now hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically. Nikki has written three books, all available on Amazon, and she has a podcast, Sales Maven, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts, like wherever you're listening to this. So Nikki and I have been in professional circles together over the last few years in podcasting circles and Seattle women entrepreneurs entrepreneur circles and online marketer circles. And I'm always so impressed by how she shows up. And there's been times when I've asked people for referrals for different things in various capacities. And whenever it's anything related to sales, people say, oh, Nikki, Nikki's the only one. One time I even went to someone and I said, well, who do you recommend for this thing? And they said, Nikki, I said, oh, I already checked with her. She's not available. Said, who else do you recommend? They were like, literally no one else. They were like, find out when Nikki's available. She's the only person I would recommend. Nikki's reputation is so impeccable. 
I'm always so impressed by how she shows up and her deep knowledge around selling in really high integrity ways. She actually came in and did a training on selling with my business coaching clients last year, and it was so fabulous. So I knew I wanted her to be a guest on the show, but also I know that like a lot of you don't do sales and probably wouldn't necessarily be super interested in a really sales specific conversation. But I was like, Nikki, what else can we talk about? I want you to come on the show. So she said, what if we talked about how to stop over committing? And I was like, yes, it was an fast, easy and hard yes. I loved this conversation and I cannot wait for you to listen in. So listen in to hear Nikki share, what are the most common reasons that women overcommit? What is at risk when you overcommit? Four questions people can ask themselves before committing to something. What you can say to buy yourself time to think about what you're being asked for instead of giving a quick response like a yes that you might later regret. How to use silence in conversations as a way to build credibility and how you can get out of commitments with grace and integrity. This is a fun conversation. I love Nikki. She keeps things so clear, so simple, even things that are really layered and complicated and nuanced, like all the ways that women overcommit. So I know you're going to get some really good juicy nuggets out of this one. With all that said, please join me in welcoming Nikki Roush to the Shameless Mom Academy. Nikki, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity to speak with you and your audience. We are going to have fun. We know each other through, I feel like we circled each other for too many years before we actually got to meet in person a few years ago. And then we've gotten to meet online and collaborate online in a couple different ways now, which has been so, so fun. So I know we're going to have fun today. Yes. I feel like I knew of you. Everybody's like, you don't know Sarah. And I was like, not yet. That's how I felt for many years. We have to give a shout out to Julie Fry because Julie Fry told me about you before we met in person, which has now been a handful of years. And then she's reconnected us for various things over the years as Mm -hmm. well. But she's like the master connector. She's the master person. That's like, you don't know this person. Oh, let me like help you with that. (laughs) I always say Julie has been one of the most influential people in my life and definitely in my business because Mm -hmm. she does make connections for me that I am always so grateful for. She knows the best people. And she's always willing to be like, Hey, meet my friend, Nikki, you know, like I'm just so grateful for her. And she, she's such a great example of women supporting women. She, and so like, we'll sit with this for just a second. Cause I think it's important. She is always so happy to make a selfless introduction and like go out of her way to just like, Oh, I'll just, I can do this really quick for you. Like I got your back. No worries. And I'm like, I want to be more like, I mean, I think I am like that to a certain extent, but when I I watch her do it, I'm like, remember to be more like Julie, like every day. (laughs) That's so I do that too. Like I always think I want to channel Julie and I want to (laughs) be, I also want to be known that people are like, Oh, Nikki's, you know, she'll make introductions for you. And, and I always think like, Julie is my, who I aspire in that way to be like, cause she's so good at it. I love it. I can't wait to tell her that like this episode is in honor of her now. Yes, <laughs> She'll love it. Okay. So I want to start with our opening question that I always ask guests. Can you please tell us a little more about your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now? Well, beyond my bio, it's really for me, 
I feel super, super blessed to get to work, to do the work that I do. I had this really successful career in sales. I was like a career salesperson. I often joke about, it's not really a joke, it's true, but it makes me laugh that I was like the road warrior traveling sales rep for many, many years that I traveled so much that my airline that I always flew used to send me a Christmas gift every year. So, you know, you got to fly a lot to get a gift (laughs) from an airline, you know? So, and when I had this opportunity to really start networking around women, that was kind of where I got like, because I came from a very male dominated industry. And when I started networking around women, I found that a lot of them struggled to have sales conversations that felt authentic to them and felt real And I really kind of fell into my business of just wanting to support women and help them make a bigger impact in their business and in their life and in their communities and all the things that women do when they start to make more money. And so that's really how my whole business was born of me just wanting to hang around these super inspiring women and support them to get really comfortable having what a lot of people think as uncomfortable conversations. And you're so genius because when you talk about sales and women in sales, you basically just teach people how how to be normal in a conversation. Yes. (laughs) You're not like, here's a sales tactic and strategy. The strategy is like, just be a normal person having a conversation. Yeah, like here's some normal ways, like be strategic, but you right, know, right. be yourself. Like the, I think the yeah. biggest thing and the misconception around like just sales in general is that people think that sales is something that you do to people. And I truly believe that sales is something you do with. Mm-hmm. And I think as women, we like to collaborate. And when you start approaching any conversation in your life, whether you're thinking that you're selling your kid on, you know, getting ready to go back to school or whatever it is, or you're selling your spouse on like what you're going to have for dinner, there's always this component of like, be authentic in the conversation and be strategic too. And how can you deliver something in a way that the other person's more open to receiving and then everything gets easier. So that's kind of my, I just think you got to just, you got to look at with conversations and not add and Yes. Like it's basic interpersonal skills. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Okay. What are you most excited about right now? Well, I know this isn't going to air for a while before, but I am actually putting on my first ever like event that's mine. It's going to be a virtual event where I'm bringing in some really amazing people to talk on, I think what's kind of some tough things that are going on Mm -hmm. in our economy. And so I'm really excited to put on this event and bring in these speakers and put them in front of my audience. Oh, nice. I'm excited. You need to, you will need to send me some information about this event. (laughs) I will. I'm so like, I feel like out of my depth a little bit of doing it, Mm. but I just find that I have all these really amazing connections to these people that are doing really cool things and that are so much smarter than me. And I just want to put them in front of my audience and give them an opportunity to learn from these really. I love that. So I've done this, I've done this in person and I've done this online and it's so much fun. And also it's very scary when you're going into it, you're like, are these people going to say, yeah, are the people who I want to come teach going to say yes. Are the people who I want to serve going to say yes. Like, is anyone going to show up? And then when you're in it, you're like, I know the coolest people Like between the audience you bring in and the speakers that you bring, like all of a sudden you're just like, oh my gosh, this is just magical. So yes, hard work, but it totally it's worth it. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. Cause I do feel like, is anybody going to (laughs) come? 
I'm, oh. you know, crossing my fingers, but yeah, it's exciting and it's new. And I like to do new things yeah. that feel like a challenge and stretch me. So this is a challenge and it, it puts me outside that comfort zone. That's like, can I do this? We'll yeah. see. Oh, you totally can. I can't wait to hear more. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about overcommitting today. And I, yeah. I know no one in my audience can relate to overcommitting. I'm being so <laughs> facetious right now because perhaps there's no one who overcommits more than moms. <laughs> so not only are women, I think really culturally conditioned to overcommit, which I'm excited to hear you talk about that component, but I think we're con- culturally conditioned to overcommit we're raised to be people pleasers. And then we have children and we're like, well, I don't want to be like the bad mom who doesn't do every single thing possible for my kids. So then we just take over commitment to a whole new level once we have kids. So can you talk a little bit about what are some of the common reasons that we overcommit? Well, I think one of the most common is, and we'll see if you agree or not, but I think it has to do with judgment Mm. is we know that people are making judgments about us. And so we want to set ourselves up for success because we know we're going to get judged, right? So it's that fear of judgment. What are other people going to think about me? So I'm going to commit to something so that they judge me in this positive way versus a negative way. And I think this whole idea around judgment is such a big factor in a lot of decisions that we make that can be really detrimental to our own like self-care and to our own like Mm self-image. So I think a lot of it has to do with judgment. And then the other thing too, is there's that, there's the FOMO, right? Like, I don't want to miss out on something. I don't want to have regret later. And so there's another one. Now I'm trying to think of what it is. There's FOMO. And then there's the, um, Oh, is it JOMO? Is it JOMO? Like joy of missing out? Yes. Yes. It's JOMO. And so getting, I think sometimes we have to get to this place where you're like, I'm really grateful that I am not participating in something. And so it's learning how to switch. Like, are you always in FOMO mode? And can you go to JOMO mode? Like, can you go, I'm going to embrace the fact that I don't have to be at everything, doing everything, be seen as the person who's participating and showing up and always over committing, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually just listening to a podcast this morning. These two moms were talking about the difference between their first kid and their third kid. And the first, when the mom, one of the moms was saying with her first child, she had total, ju- like she was so worried about what other moms were going to say about how she was performing as a mother. So she signed up for all these things with her kid and did everything in these mommy classes and mommy music classes and like all of it. And she went to all of it, like not wanting to be there. And then by the time she had her third kid, she was like, I didn't take that kid out of pajamas for like five years. She's like, we don't get dressed during the day. Like why bother? You're just going to get dirty anyways. Like my kid just wore footy pajamas all over town until they went to kindergarten. And she talked about like that shift from being so concerned about judgment to really just letting go and not having a care in the world. And I think that that can happen over the course of motherhood. I think it can happen over the course of growing up and maturing in womanhood as well. And just being able to let go and shed some of that. I think that when we look at women over commitment, overdoing, overachieving, um, and the levels of burnout in women, we can see how our fear around judgment has been such a catalyst for so many decisions that has ultimately potentially taken us to not such a healthy place. Yes. 
this idea of when you look back on your life and you know what are the things that you're really happy you did versus the things that you have some regrets around i think a lot of it again goes back to that like oh i felt like people were going to judge me so i did this thing even if there was a part of me that knew it wasn't the right thing for me i just said yes anyway or whatever yeah. and like i just want to get to the end of my life at some point and be able to look back and go i really made decisions that supported me Mm -hmm. and who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up in the world and letting go because people, I mean, the truth is people are going to judge you. Like that's human nature. We, we right. judge, even though we say, oh no, I don't judge. And I, you know, <laughs> I just think everybody's perfect. And, you know, it's like, I know, but everybody else is judging you. So that's great if that's how you show up, but uh, that like common fear around it, I think mm -hmm. it gets, it's so, it can be very debilitating and how yeah. we move forward in our life. Definitely. What's at risk when we overcommit? Well, I think there's some really important things about it. First is it can really damage your credibility and your reputation by overcommitting because people want to, you know, one of the basic like human needs is safety. People want to feel safe around you. Yeah. And if you're the kind of person who is overcommitting and then drops the ball in something, you start to break down safety. Now I teach this in, you know, in sales, of course, of how do you create safety in relationships? But I think it works in all relationships that you don't want to overcommit and drop balls. It's kind of like the people who overpromise and then under deliver. Like how disappointing yeah. is that? Right. So that's going to hurt your reputation. But it also, I think, starts to get into your own mindset. Like you start to judge yourself. You start to think less of yourself. So that self-image, your confidence, all these things are at risk when you mm -hmm. overcommit. And frankly, when you think about it, as women, how hard it is in some ways for us to just even get to a place where we are confident that we're secure in who we are. Like, let's not do things that risk us starting to, you know, chip away at our confidence in ourselves. So overcommitting is really important to like, don't let that be the hindrance. Right. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by a podcast I wanna share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I also think there's a component when we consistently overcommit. I think for some women, for type A, high-achieving women, and you and I might both fall into that category. And I know a lot of my audience falls into that category. I think there's some really high stakes for our mental health because we chronically, yeah. potentially are chronically overcommitting over the course of our lives because we are in this type A high achieving mode. And that feels good because it has can have consistent rewards. But I think the cost to our mental health over the long run can be going back to burnout and feeling like we always have to be doing, 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 achieving, 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 reaching really high. And we don't know how to like rest, chill, be in the moment, like go on vacation. We set a standard for ourselves that sometimes isn't sustainable yet. We sustain it for decades. Yeah. You know, I just, I was, I'm thinking about just what you said, like it just reminded me recently I overcommitted to something. Like I said yes to something, even though I knew it wasn't the right thing for me. Mm. And it was, it involved a trip and I went on this trip and I will say it was the work, like mentally I came back kind of my mental kind of everything around my mental capacity, what I was capable of. I came back really kind of shattered Mm. and I knew going in, it was like, but I, I didn't want to disappoint anybody. I didn't want to let anybody down. So I had said I would do it. So I did it, even though there's a part of me. And again, I teach this, I talk (laughs) about this. This is like, you know, but it's still that struggle of like, I didn't want to disappoint somebody who I really, really cared about. So I went and did something that ended up, it didn't go well. I wasn't in the right mental state. And I came back kind of feeling shattered. Mm -hmm. And it took me about two weeks to kind of get out of this, like feeling really down and disappointed in myself for one, because it didn't go well Two, because I wish I hadn't done it. I knew I shouldn't do it. You know, it's like, it's all these things. And, And then, you know, that two weeks, like what could I have done if I had just trusted my instincts and said, I need to, you know, change. I need to do something else here. Yeah. I think we're really good in our head when we, even if, like you said, you're like, I teach this and I know this, I know better than this. And here I find myself, you know, from time to time slipping into it, which is very relatable. (laughs) And (laughs) I think that we can still fall into this trap of, I can just like knuckle my way through it this time. Mm -hmm. And so like we say, we give the yes and we're like, I know I shouldn't have said yes to that, but like, I'm going to knuckle my way through. I can make it. I can, I'll be tired, but it'll be fine. 
And then next time I'll make sure I say no. And oh my gosh. And then you get in it and you're just like cranky, resentful. And that's where, when you talk about like how things can overcommitment can chip away at confidence, because then when you're in it and you're not in, it's not going well for you, but you're still trying to perform for other people and pretend like it's great. It's fine. I'm, this is fantastic. (laughs) That feels horrible. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes the people around you who know you well, they know you're knuckling your way through it. (laughs) And then that can diminish their experience too, because then now they're concerned for you. Now they're not enjoying it in the same way that they would if, you know, it's like, it has this ripple effect too in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have four questions that you suggest people ask themselves before committing. So I want to give an example, a little scenario that was brought up in our membership community the other day, this mom was saying, she's like, I'm really working on not saying yes to everything, but she's like, sometimes it just like, it falls out of my mouth. And she's like, I can feel it coming out. And as it's coming out, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, don't say it. Don't say it. And and it still is like, she's says yes to something that she knows she doesn't really want to say yes to. So what are the four questions that you suggest people ask themselves before committing so that we can kind of run through this in our heads before that? Yes. Tumbles and crumbles out. (laughs) Okay. So the questions are, the first question is, is this something I want to do? But here's, I want you to add something to this question. Is this something I want to do? Really? I think it's really important Mm -hmm. to add really on the end of it. Like challenge yourself. Is this something I want to do? Really? And what's the answer? Like what bubbles to the surface with that? And then the next one is, is this something I can do? Really? And sometimes the the can do, there's, you know, there's lots of things that you kind of can't do, but are you the best person to do it? I think that's kind of something around that question I would check in with myself. The next one is, the third one is, is this something I have time to do? Really? Now, the (laughs) thing about time- is so important. I'm dying. This is like so good. (laughs) The thing about time is that I don't know if you've ever heard this. this comes from my background in neuro-linguistic programming where there's there's the idea that certain areas of our life we're like on time. Like you just show up, you're on time. And then there's instances where we find ourselves what's called being in time. Mm-hmm. And that's where you kind of lose track of time. Like I always give this example of, you know, if you haven't seen a girlfriend who you just absolutely adore, you haven't seen her for a while and you get together for a coffee date, you sit down, you start in a conversation And you think, gosh, you know, I know I have to like do something here in an hour. And you look down and you're like, three hours has passed. Like (laughs) what? That's being in time when time just kind of goes away. And so this third question is, is this something I have time to do? Really? If you know you're going to get yourself into a situation where you're going to get in time and you can kind of lose it, I think you have to really challenge your calendar. You challenge your schedule and go, if I get lost here, if I show up and I'm in time instead of on time, am I going to enjoy the experience? And then am I going to regret it later? Because now mm-hmm. I drop the ball on somewhere else. So that's the third question. So is this something I have to time, time to do really? And then the last one is, is this something I will do really? And the reason I asked this one, is this something I will do really is because, and this comes, you know, this is maybe a little bit of insight into my own brain is that sometimes things sound like a really fun, like good thing. And I'm like, oh, I totally want to do that. 
But then like, as it gets closer and closer and closer, oh. I start to dread and I start thinking yes. like the person will cancel and I won't have to cancel yes. or maybe something will happen. Like they're going to ground planes. Like I don't even have to, they're, they're not going to have enough pilots. So I'm not going to have to get on that plane and right. go to such and such. But I think if you're starting, if you know, you're going to get yourself in that mode of like, is this something I will do? If you're trying to find ways to back out of it, you're better off just saying you're better off declining mm-hmm. committing in that moment. So yes. those are my four questions. Oh, those questions are so good. I want to go back to the first question. Cause I think there's something really important in that question. Is this something okay. I want to do really? I think there's a lot of things we say yes to. And we think really like our snap judgment is, yeah, of course I want to do this because it's something maybe we've been conditioned that like we should want to do, or we should say yes to. So if we don't really take that moment and add on that question, really at the end, Mm -hmm. we don't have the chance to do that gut check to be like, is this something I feel like I should do? Or is this something I really do truly want to do? There's a lot of things that I have said yes to in my life that I felt like, oh, I want to do that. But when I thought about why I wanted to do them, I'm like, oh, because in my mind, like that's what a good, a good mom does that or a good partner Mm -hmm. or a good this, that, or the other thing. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I want to be a good X, Y, Z. So of course I want to do it. And then if I really thought about it, I was, I would be able to identify like, no, I don't really want to do it. I'm wanting to look like a person who plays a role a certain way. And so the answer to the really part would be like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I think that really does get you to go like, okay, this, I got to really do a gut check here. And I have to be really honest with myself. Yeah. The other thing, what you just described, it made me think of, I used to have this, I had a friend, we're still friends, but we don't see each other ever anymore because where we live. But she used to always say, it's around the shoulds, you know, like Mm, when you're like, when you're doing that, you're kind of shoulding. And she used to always say like, don't should on me and I won't should on you. But I think we should on ourselves all the time. I should do this. I should help this person. I should say yes. I should show up at the such and such. I should volunteer. But if you go, really? Like ask yourself though, really? And see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I also think that the last question, is this something I will do? I've definitely committed to think your example was like where you commit to something and then you're immediately like, how am I going to get out of it? Cause I'm definitely (laughs) going to get out of it. I'm just trying to figure out how. And so thinking through, I think is something I've gotten so much better at that. I actually went through a season where, and I've talked about this on the show over the years, and I still stand by this tactic and I'm curious your thoughts on it, but I don't have to do it nearly as often anymore. So I went through a season a few years ago where at the beginning of every week, I'd be like, I'm canceling three things. Like, cause every week was just like too many things that were either commitments that I was either overcommitted because I said yes to too many things, or they were things that like seemed important when I said yes. And then when they arrived, I was like, this isn't actually like going to get me closer to any goal. And I'd rather have time back. Mm-hmm. And so I would unschedule like three things every week. And I shared this as a tactic to other women and moms, like just unschedule three things every week, cancel them. And I think there's absolutely places for us to still do that, to look at our calendar and be like, there's some things on here I don't need to do, or some things I don't need to attend. But can we take another step back before that? And just not even put those things on our calendar and be okay with having calendars with blank spaces and having the strategy be, I'm going to intentionally keep blank space on my calendar. I love that you did this cancel three things. Like, I feel like maybe I need to incorporate this and see what would happen in my <laughs> it's week. Very ex- uh, it's, it's really freeing. 
One of the things I I know that I've done, especially in the last couple of years, because it's been a challenge, you know, a lot of us have had really challenging years is I now, the other reason is I do this because a lot of people have access to my calendar, but Mm -hmm. I block out big chunks of time on my calendar that are just blank times. And then people who can actually look at my calendar and go like, Nikki's got this huge chunk of blank time. But those are times where I'm creating, I'm, you know, recording my own podcast. I'm doing, you know, it's not like I'm not doing things during that time, but it's not time that other people can have access Mm -hmm. to. And that has actually allowed me to do something that I never thought was possible, which is sometimes I get to every week I get to do this now, go for a walk in the middle of the day. I used to never be able to do something like that, but it came from me blocking out these blank spaces on my calendar. I love that. I think that's so important. I've put up more and more guardrails around my time over the last, like every January, I look at how am I going to calendar for the next year. And every year I get more and more strict on like when people can do different things. And what's interesting is, and I, recommend this to everyone because we all think that everyone else should, we think we should prioritize other people's needs over our own. And so this is where we end up over committing and saying yes to so many things. And when I first started putting up boundaries in my calendar to be like, okay. And it started with the podcast of, okay, I'm only going to do interviews on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Cause I don't want to do interviews every day of the week. I don't want to have, I wanted to have some guardrails around it. And then I was like, okay, well, I only need to do four interviews a week or a month. I don't need to have eight days a month open on my calendar for that. But in my mind, I was like, I want people to have lots of options. And after a year or two, I was like, I don't think people would care that much if I just went to Thursdays, if I only had Thursdays on there. So I went to Thursdays and that was fine. And so then I would have four Thursdays a month that people could book interviews. But again, still, I only needed to do four interviews a month. And then after a couple of years of that, so now this would have been like two years ago, I guess, I went to two Thursdays a month. And every time I made like a reduction in calendar availability, I thought, what if someone's offended? What if someone gets mad? What if they think X, Y, Z and nobody cares, (laughs) like nobody notices or cares. And I will say at times, like if there's not available, if we don't have availability that matches your needs, let us know and we'll find something else. But like, nobody's been like, I can't believe you only have two days a month. (laughs) Like nobody cares. And I do the same thing with coaching calls where like over time I've been like, okay, it's these three days a week. And then I've narrowed it down. And now it's like, it's only on Tuesdays and everybody's fine with it. So I think that sometimes we make up big stories around how we need to keep a lot of space for other people. And the reality is that we can have a lot of boundaries on our, how we manage our time and energy and how we give that to other people and people will be fine with it. They probably won't even notice or care. I think everything you just said was like a masterclass on managing your schedule. And I think if people follow exactly what you said, there are very few people that will actually challenge you around your boundaries because it's a boundary and they don't know any different. The one mistake I think that a lot of us can Mm -hmm. make is that we try to justify our boundaries. And when we justify our boundaries, we tell a lot of story. And so we we start explaining to people all the reasons why (laughs) we only have Thursdays. And then then when you start explaining, and this, this works in sales, but it also works in life too. Anytime you go into a lot of story that is an explanation around why you do something that you do, it becomes negotiable. 
Mm. It means that the other person can now challenge you. But if you don't tell a lot of story, if you just have it on your calendar and here's the link that you send people to schedule their coaching call or schedule their podcast interview with you, nobody's going to go like, but Sarah, we need to talk about this. (laughs) Absolutely. I used to be a huge story. Like I felt like I had to over-explain anytime I said no to something. Mm-hmm. And I would tell big, long stories about the 18 reasons I was saying no. And some of them were half-truths at times. because <laughs> so I wanted to appear like it was absolutely impossible. Let me show you how impossible this yes. thing is for me to say yes to. And now when I say no to things, I find myself in email and text, sometimes starting to tell a story about something, not a half-truth, but like just wanting to like over-explain because it makes me feel better about it. And I will just like, catch myself and start deleting, like back it up, back it up and just be like, Nope, that doesn't work. Thanks for the invitation. And then if I actually do want to do this, this thing, another time, I will say that. But if I don't want to do that thing another time, I don't say that I do want to do it. Like I don't say, you know, consider me next time or let me know next time you do this. I'll just say, thanks for the invitation. It doesn't work this time. Like talk soon or whatever, but not having to have like paragraphs of explanation. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point about that. It opens up for negotiation because that's totally true. Cause then people are like, well, you know, if you just, if you tell so-and-so that you can't yeah. do this, then you could come to my thing. And you're totally. thinking like, but I don't want to come to your thing right. and I don't know how to yes. say, so you just don't, you never open that can of worms basically that allows people to now point out to you how you can change something. Yeah. So sometimes no, is just, that's all that needs to be said or, yeah. or thank you so much for asking. I'm going to respectfully decline. Yeah. That's a perfect example. Of, I should have used that answer. Uh, thank you so much for asking. I'm going to respectfully decline. I should have used that recently. I was asked to do something in September. Someone reached out and was like, Hey, can you do this thing in September? And I was like, Oh, I can't. September is like, again, too much explanation. I was like, well, I'm doing this, this, and this. So yeah. it's just not going to work. <laughs> and so, and I was like a little relieved because I didn't really want to do the thing. So then she's like, no problem at all. How about October? And I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Okay, now what do I say? Yeah. <laughs> so I, then I was like, it's just generally a really busy season and I'm I'm unavailable. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good fit for right now. <laughs> yeah. It was a reminder, like you don't need to give an explanation about like why this time doesn't work because then yeah, they're going to find another time. Yeah. Or they're going to convince you or try to convince you of why your reason isn't a valid reason or how it can change. Yeah. Sometimes just being able to say like, thanks for asking. This doesn't work for me. That's all you need to say. And that's enough. Like that's such enough in business. I always like to say, I respectfully decline because I do want people to know, like I, I considered it, Mm -hmm. you know, you take away from it what you want, but for me, it's like, I considered it. And my answer is no. And that's, a complete answer. Totally. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's talk about how we can buy ourselves time. So as the yes is about to fall out (laughs) and how do we stop the yes from falling out of our mouths and how do we buy ourselves some time to think about what we're being asked and not respond in that moment so that we can really give an answer that is aligned with what we truly want, what we truly need in any given moment. So we don't come up with a quick response uh, that we might have regret around later. So in those moments, I like to say to somebody, I appreciate you asking. So that's being, and again, respectful and polite. I appreciate you asking. Let me take some time to think about it and I'll get back to you. Now, that might be enough. You don't necessarily always owe anybody getting back to them. So you you decide. But if it's somebody you have a lot of relationship with or rapport, the relationship's important, then you do want to circle back. And it's okay to then go back to them of like, you know, again, so appreciate you asking for me to participate in this. You know, after looking at my schedule, this isn't a good fit. So I'm going to respectfully decline. I wish you well. Mm-hmm. Like give yourself the time. I appreciate you asking. Let me take some time and I'll get back to you. Just say to them, appreciate you asking. Let me take some time. I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And then stop talking. <laughs> like don't <laughs> add any more story. Right. That's the end of that part of the conversation. Change the topic, you know, make yourself a note or whatever you need to do, but don't keep going because right. then you're going to, something's going to just fall right out of your mouth and you're totally. going to be like, dang it. <laughs> Why didn't I just say that? 
Totally. Totally. You actually talked about this. So when you did a sales, you did a sales and business training for my business coaching clients. And you talked about this, stop talking as a being intentional around sales conversations and being intentional Mm -hmm. about inviting people into services with you. But I think that this is something that women just struggle with, whether it's a sales conversation or an invitation to a party, we don't stop talking and we feel like we owe people so much of us that we talk ourselves into doing things that we don't want to do. We talk ourselves out of things that we do. Like it just, we go round and round with over talking and the discomfort that we can have, especially for extroverts to stop, to give a clear answer and then to stop talking is really challenging. And to be able to sit in that discomfort and practice it a few times and then be like, okay, like, it's okay. If I just like give a clear answer, stop talking, change the subject, walk away, whatever the thing is, or wait for someone else to reply and then make another clear answer based on that. We actually end up being much more clear communicators. It will raise your credibility in a relationship and in a room significantly when you're the person who has an answer and then pauses and waits for the other person. The thing about silence, this, I always say silence is an advanced selling skill because other people feel inclined, just like we do like, oh my gosh, I got to fill the silence. But if you can learn to allow silence to be part of it, you might be really super surprised at when you give a clear answer and then you stop talking, what will come out of the other person and it could be that they just change the topic. They move on to something else. They're not like they're, your answer is complete, new topic. It could be that they share some new information with you that was really you know helpful for you to have. So start to use silence, like get curious. That's That's kind of my claim in life is like, if you can show up in life and be curious, then it, it allows for you to to not put so much pressure on yourself to be like perfect. So you don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Just be curious. Yes. So respond, stop, pause, wait. I always say zip it, you know, <laughs> wait and be curious as to what the other person's going to do next and see yeah. what happens. Brilliant, Absolutely. lovely, amazing things usually happen. Yes. And that made me remember the thing I thought of earlier. I was thinking of earlier when I lost my train of thought. So raising credibility. I think that it actually shows professionalism if we're looking to be professional or it just raises credibility and authority, whether we're looking at an interpersonal relationship within like our family, within a, you know, a group of other parents or in our professional roles to be able to give a short, clear answer, and then to be able to hold space for the silence that comes after that, or giving the other person a chance to respond. I think that when we give an answer that's, and then we back it up with 18 paragraphs of explanation, I actually think that's less credible and Mm -hmm. can take away from our sense of leadership, professionalism, all the things that we, so many of my moms are always working toward. So if you can practice this, like short, clear to the point and just sit with that, people actually see that as like, this is a person who knows what they want, who knows where they stand, who can set clear boundaries. And people really admire that. And I know when people do that with me, I'm always like, cool. Awesome. I mean, you did this perfect example. I reached out to you about doing a training for my for a group of mine in person. And you said the script you just gave us a minute ago, where you were like, I'm going to have to respectfully decline. Those dates don't work for me. And then your follow-up was, if you do something virtually, let me know. I might be interested. It was like two sentences. And I was like, 
she has really good boundaries. <laughs> I was like, that's what a pro does. <laughs> like, here's her like super short. No, that like have to respectfully decline. And then this, a caveat was like, here's what I could do. So you were like, yeah. here's what I'm available for. If you want something, which was great. And I was like, okay, I'll play with that. <laughs> and so then I came back, but it was like two sentences. It wasn't 18 paragraphs about like, here's why I have to say no, but here's 18 other options. It was just really clear. And in my mind, I'm like, that's why she's the sales pro. She sent me a two sentence email reply. <laughs> it was like all I needed. So, well, and you picked up like this is something that I teach this and I use this often is that when people ask me for things, a lot of times I'll say, I appreciate you asking, here's what I can do. And then I just talk about what I can do. I yeah. don't even always necessarily need to say, no, I can't do this. I'm never going to do that. No, I can't do this. And here's all the reasons why, you know, here's my laundry list of all the things. Right. It's just, I appreciate you asking, here's what I can do. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. times people be like, oh, well, thanks for telling me what you can do. That works for us perfectly or doesn't work this time. We'll think about you next time, whatever that is. But just being, I, again, it's that confidence and that credibility when you can say, I appreciate you asking, here's what I can do. Yeah. And then you say what you can do. People will be like, oh, okay. They'll go along with you because totally. you know, they want the relationship to be successful as well. They yeah. want to keep rapport intact with you. So just tell people what you can do. Right. Don't tell right. them all the things you can't and reasons why. <laughs> yes. And then you get to be like the leader of the conversation, which is yeah. really great. You're setting the tone, which I think is beneficial. Yeah. So if we've overcommitted, how can we get out of commitments with grace and integrity? Are there any suggestions <laughs> so that, for the chronic love, canceler? I, I, <laughs> so from a place of grace and integrity, I think mm -hmm. there has to be acknowledgement that you did commit because the last thing you want to do is pretend like you never said yes. And then the other person mm -hmm. starts to, you know, it starts to chip away at your credibility and your integrity because yeah, they're like, absolutely. Oh, they said, yes. So I think it's important to say, to acknowledge, I know that I had committed to, I know I said yes to this, or I know I committed to this things have changed in my schedule, mm -hmm. which no longer allow for me to participate. Please accept my sincerest apology. I think it's important to apologize because if it messes up something and then you could leave it there, that could be enough. You could just mm -hmm. say, I know I committed to taking part in this. Things have changed that no longer allows for me to participate. Please accept my sincere apology. And if you want to take it one step further, you could say, is there some other way I can contribute without, you know, without giving my time or showing up that yeah. would be, that would be beneficial for you. So you can ask, is there some other way I can contribute that would be beneficial for you and I love see what that. they say. And I love the, please accept my sincerest apology. I think that that's a really, whether you're looking at like interpersonal relationship, friendship, family relationship, or you're looking at the work environment. I think that's really different than typical female response, which can be like, I'm so sorry, heart emoji and 13 exclamation points. <laughs> so yes, I mean, it's one thing if I'm like talking to like my best friend or my sister or whatever, exactly. different than I think there's just a lot of, I think, please accept my sincerest apology. There's just, I think there's an added layer of it's not a flighty apology. And I think that that, I appreciate that piece of that. Yeah. It's not a throwaway. It, it right. is a sincere apology. And I right. do think you need to acknowledge again, if you've committed to something and people are going to be let down and disappointed, acknowledge 
that yeah. you take ownership for your part in it. And again, I think it, it keeps with your credibility and it keeps with safety totally. in the relationship because the yeah. other person can trust that, Hey, when Sarah shows up, I know she, she can be here. She wants to be here. She's going to be here. And if she can't, she's got a good enough reason, but I can count on her to be forthcoming as mm-hmm. to she's not going to be there. She'll tell me. Right. And I don't like, she doesn't just no show. Right. Like, right. That I think can really diminish credibility and integrity. Absolutely. I love that you brought up safety in the relationship because I think that undermining trust and safety in the relationship in a relationship is something that we often don't think about when we're, when we get to a place of like needing to meet our own needs and we're like, Oh shoot, I've totally overcommitted. I need to cancel things, whatever. If we are thinking about what it's like for the person on the other end. And if we've done this to them a couple of times, that does really diminish trust and safety in the relationship. And I've been on the receiving end of that for sure. And there's probably people that have said that I've done it as well. I'd like to think I've never done that, but I've definitely been on the receiving end of that where like over time you're like, okay, so clearly you don't value this relationship or you don't value, Mm -hmm. like you just start to feel a lack of integrity and then trust really does start to crumble and falter within that relationship. And that can be hard to repair. And sometimes you're just like, I'm not even going to try. Like, why bother? This person clearly doesn't care that much. I'm kind of done. Yeah. Yeah. And yet from the other person's standpoint, it could be that, I mean, we always make up stories as to why people do the things that they do. Right. (laughs) And the thing we often forget is that people are also making up stories about us and why we do things. So, so your example of like making sure that the other person has like, has enough information that you're setting yourself up to keep the rapport and the relationship intact because they are going to make up a story. Yep. And so let's help them make up a successful story of yes. like, she cares about the relationship. She cares about me as a person. Something's going on in her life that doesn't allow for her to, to show up here. And I don't need to take it personally. I don't need right. to be like, gosh, she doesn't like me anymore. She doesn't care about me, which, you know, those could be the case, but mm-hmm. giving people the benefit of the doubt, allowing yourself, like set yourself up for good, successful relationships because people are going to make up stories. Totally. I love the idea of helping them make up the story, like help them write it, write the first couple chapters for them. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This has been so good. Okay. Nikki, how are you currently showing up shamelessly? You know, for me, what really comes to mind when you ask me that question is I have really, really been exploring my faith and talking Mm. about it. I've always had a really strong faith and I've never spoken about it in casual conversations, even with some of the people I'm the closest with, I've always, I've always kept it very, very private. And yeah, this last year I've decided to be more open about the fullness of who I am, which involves my faith. I love showing, like sharing different layers of identity like that. I think that's really awesome. Okay. So tell people where they can find you, connect with you, tell us how you serve folks and what that looks like, and then point us to links, et cetera. So, you know, my business is I'm a sales coach. So I work with primarily the best. You're the best. I have to give the example that Julie gave when I was looking for someone to come do this in-person event with me. And I had asked you and you respectfully declined. And then I went back to Julie. I'm like, Julie, do you know anyone besides Nikki that could come and do that? And she's like, honestly, no one's as qualified as Nikki to give a talk on sales. (laughs) I was like, okay, I will find another way for Nikki to do it, which is how I then got you to ask you to do the virtual option instead. Because Julie was like, there's literally no one else. So that's so sweet. Now go ahead and self-promote with that. (laughs) All right. Thank you. That's like, I couldn't ride better coattails than that as a testimonial. Thank you for that. 
So I am a sales coach. I work with women on how to have those sales conversations. I really love language and and work with people. So I work with people one-on-one. I have a group coaching program and I teach masterclasses on different sales related topics. So for anybody who's interested from a business standpoint, would like to get better at the way that they communicate around sales, I have a gift that I'll wrap up for your audience. It's a it's a book called Closing the Sale, How to Boost Your Confidence. And you can get it by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash shameless. That will be Perfect. for your audience. And, uh, and then I have a podcast called Sales Maven, and that's another way for us to connect. And not every episode that I, you know, I actually have an episode very similar to the topic that we talked about. So you will find lots of little nuggets in there of ways to improve your overall communication. If that's interesting to anybody. I love it. I know so many people who've worked with you, Nikki on, in various capacities, whether it's in your group coaching program, whether it's one-on-one and they just all rave, rave, rave about you. So, um, I want anyone who wants to do anything related to sales, definitely check out Nikki's resources, go get her free resource, closing the sale, check out the podcast. I'll link everything in the show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Nikki Roush, you will see everything linked up right there. And oh, Nikki, thank you for this. This has been a really fun conversation. I'm so glad that you made this commitment and didn't cancel on me. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I'm such a fan. I'm of glad you, it wasn't an overcommitment. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here, and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.